What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mike and Dave Podcast. This is Dave, and this is also episode number 20. I'm really excited about this episode. We've got quite a few different segments uh, in line for you, but we're going to start with off the top. What's up, guys? This is Mike. And this is the last time you'll be able to count on your fingers and toes how many episodes we've done. <laughs> because that's something that people definitely do regularly. Hey, man, I'm not here to judge the counting methods of our vast viewership or listenership or whatever. But like you said, we're going to go into off the top. Now, I'm going to take you back to when the world was young. And by that, I mean when we were in like middle school. So okay. you remember in science class doing like dichotomous keys? I can't say <laughs> I do. So, And I don't really want to either, but go so ahead. So just to refresh your memory, dichotomous keys are where you have, they're usually for like biology, where you have like a bunch of like yes or no questions or like, you know, two questions at a time. And it's like, um, does this animal have eight legs? And if it does, like you go to like question eight and if it doesn't, then you go to like question six and you like identify the animal by like a series of those questions. Well, the thing is, you can also turn this into a sort of like choose your own adventure because, you know, because based on what answer you go, you go a different or what answer you pick, you go a different path. So I've written up this dichotomous key for your NBA career. So I'm going to give you a series of options, and you're going to tell me. Wait, 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 wait. My NBA career? <laughs> you're hypothetical, highly hypothetical okay. NBA career. My my career. <laughs> you're my career for this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, Perfect. So I've got some questions for you, and I'll give you two options for each question, and then at the end, you're going to get a uh, a player comp, basically. Like, oh, your career resembles blank. Okay. So, first question. You could either play most, if not all, of your career with the team that drafted you. Or you can play for several teams throughout your career. I do have an affinity for, like, the the Dirk Nowitzkis of the world. Um so, but you know what? If I'm in the NBA, I'm trying to make all that money. Oh, wait, actually, players who stay with their team can earn the most money because of like how the salary cap works. So actually, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, because they get the super max. I'm going to be greedy and loyal <laughs> at the same time. Okay, so we're staying with the same team. Yep. Okay, so now would you rather reach like higher success, like relative to your career as a player or after your playing career? Oh, as a player. If I'm in the NBA, I got to make it splash. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm curious to see if you're going to, because I did this myself too. I'm going to, and you know, I went through it. I want to see if you get the same player as me. And okay. so far we're on the same track. You can be a career role player. I can already tell you hate this. You average under 10 points a game for your career but you win three championships with your team and that city loves you or you're pretty much always the best player on your team, 
you average over 20 points a game for your career, you win one championship. But it's pretty much like it's universally known that championship is primarily because of you. Oh, definitely that one. Yeah. Okay. So I, I so I can reach the personal heights, <laughs> but also get that one ring so people can't say, oh, he never got a ring. Okay. Last question. Okay. You get you have a great college career and I'm talking like legendary or not maybe not legendary, but like a really, really good college career. And as a result, you get drafted second overall. Or there's a lot of questions regarding like your your long term success. Um, and so you get you're a lottery pick, but you're not like top one, top two. I'll I'll be drafted like top one, top two. I'll be legendary in college. Okay. So <laughs> so that is the only difference that you and I had. If you had gone lottery, the pick would have been ninth and you would have been Dirk Nowitzki, which is really funny because you mentioned him earlier. Uh-huh. Number two, Bob Pettit. After a phenomenal career at LSU, I can see you getting hyped. That's our Hawks legend. He played every season of his career with the St. Louis Hawks and led us to our lone championship in 1958 against, wait for it, Bill Russell's Celtics. So you're a dynasty interrupter as well. Hey, hey, I mean, in this in this version, we would be the Atlanta Hawks. So I get to play, I get drafted, I'm, I'm, I have a legendary college career, I guess at Florida State. I get drafted number two overall. Oh, okay, you're talking about yourself, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get drafted number two overall. I stay with Atlanta my entire career. I bring us to a championship. I score over 20 points a game. I'm assuming I'm in the Hall of Fame because I I obviously have had a extremely, you know, award-filled. I'm assuming there are a couple of MVPs in there. Um defensive player of the year. <laughs> maybe I maybe I lose one season injury and I come back just so I can win comeback player of the year. Um maybe my <laughs> last season. Injury. Yeah, maybe in my last season I'm like 38 and I can barely move. Uh but I come off the bench and I win sixth man of the year. Like that's that's what I'm envisioning for myself. But I'm happy with that. That was that was cool. So so just a fun fact, since you mentioned the MB, MVP, Bob Pettit is the was the first player to win MVP in the NBA. Uh, he won it in 1956 and again in 59. So he won the championship in 58, and then the next year was still balling. So they were like, we kind of have to give him some respect, don't we? Hey. And he And he is obviously in the Hall of Fame. Right. I'll take that. Yeah. As soon as you said... Um only won one championship i had a feeling dirk was going to be one of the options <laughs> and but i i had no clue what the other one was going to be so loki i was just like i'm just going to be drafted number two overall just to see who this is because <laughs> i had a feeling dirk was going to be the other one um yeah but yeah i'm i'm happy with that that's cool yeah i think just looking at the options those are the two best like those are like best case scenario on this in my mind. Uh, do you want to know what your other option or like what the other possibilities were? Sure. Depending on how this went, you could have been Jay Williams. You could have been Phil Jackson. 
Udonis Haslam. He was the one um, average under 10 career. Oh, right, uh, right. Average under 10 points for three championships. Um, you could have been Steve Nash or Charles Barkley. You could have been Kendrick Perkins. And you could have been James Jones. <laughs> if I had been James Jones, that would have been, that would have been such a letdown. <laughs> like you got James Jones, I got Dirk. Well, there you go. There's your uh, your custom my career for this podcast. That was pretty fun. And if you were playing along um, at home, let us know who you would have been as well. Maybe we can post a a graphic or like a or something on social media to kind of show the dichotomous key if that's what it, if that is indeed what how it is pronounced it is that's how it's pronounced yeah and i'll post the uh the layout of it so that you can just play along at home yeah and of course that'll be on uh facebook at mike and dave pod just to plug us real quick i mean why not who else is going to we will always take sponsors my goodness yep plug us everywhere you go spread flyers yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put up flyers in your Bu- place of work or school. <laughs> Buy out newspaper pages. I don't know. Support support the crew. I mean, we. I wouldn't say no to a billboard. Like if we're if we're just, you know, at this point, you know, when like Goodyear flies the blimp over like arenas and it's like trailing the little like fl- uh, banner. Uh-huh. Yeah, show out. Show your support with that and a five star rating. <laughs> So now we're going to go into uh, a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to do one of our favorite segments and maybe your one of your favorite segments as well. Top five. All right. It is time for the return of one of our favorite segments. Top five. We're getting in the habit of doing this every five episodes, uh, give or take. So this is our fourth time doing it. And our goal is to now make it every fifth episode. You can expect a top five. So this time around, we're doing our five favorite players that are currently in the NBA. So Dave, tell me who you got five to one. All right. And just to clarify, this is not the best players in the NBA right now. The top five, like these are my favorite players in the NBA. And that could be for whatever reason I want, because this is my top five. Just getting that, just putting that out there before everybody starts uh, eviscerating my list. Good clarification. Thank you. Okay. Coming in at number five, we've got the main man, the Croatian, standing at probably seven feet tall, maybe seven one. I don't know. He's tall and skinny, white guy. Evica Zubots. Now, this guy is criminally underrated. Okay. Uh, not only is he a baller on 2K, he's like a perfect bench big to have on your team. But also, this man went off for like 30 points and double-digit rebounds the other night, playing for the Clippers um, on a depleted Clippers squad right now that needs him to step up. I think this guy has potential. He's He can throw it down on you if he needs to. He's a rebounding machine. Sure, he, he can't really space the floor, and um, he's a little... He, he's, he's not the biggest guy. He can get pushed around at times, but... I res- you know, I respect him, um, and he's just kind of one of those like, niche players that I I really do like. So he he's coming in at number five, number four, and 
I have a feeling that he's going to be on Mike's list as well. We've got Matisse Thibel. Now, Matisse Thibel was a guy who I really wanted the Hawks to get a couple years ago when he came through the draft. Um, This guy plays defense in a very different way than most people play defense. It's almost like he's a safety out there just baiting opposing players to shoot so he, or or to pass so he can get an interception or he can get a block or he can make a you know create a turnover and it's just a really exciting way of playing the game that we don't really see very often and it trips up opposing offensive players and they play right into his hands offensively he still has some work to do but i think in terms of a defensive specialist who is really going to only he's only going to get better with time um, and he's just a really good guy off the court as well. He he uh, created a YouTube series on uh, his time in the bubble, which was really interesting to watch um, like on YouTube. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, Matisse Thibel, one of my favorite players in the NBA. Now, number three, potentially the best player on this list, definitely the most pedigree on this list, Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul is a guy who um, a lot of people have mixed feelings about. Um, Personally, I've loved Chris Paul ever since he was in New Orleans. Um, I have mad respect for what he's been able to achieve as a not super athletic guy, uh, a small guy. And the fact that he is still, you know, arguably a top five point guard in the league right now at his age. Um, and the fact that he was able to lift the Suns to the finals last year, very impressive. I think the uh, the impact he's made on Devin Booker and that whole team has been immense. Um, and he's just had a really great career. And, I mean, he's a very good defender. He's got the handles. He's got that sweet mid-range. He can hit, he, you know, he can do it from three. He's got, he's just a crafty guy. Um, and I like watching him play. And I like his competitiveness as well. Um Maybe it's a little petty at times. Maybe he goes over the line, but I, I don't know. There's just something about him that I, that I really like. And, um, you know, out of all of the the commercials out there that sports players do, I think Chris Paul did a, a, actually a decent job with his. So well done to him on that front as well. And moving on to number two, talking about point guards in the NBA. This guy is an up-and-comer who... Uh, continues to get better and better with time, and I think he has the potential to be uh, one of the best players in the NBA very soon, and that's Ja Morant. There are very few players who are more exciting to watch on a night-to-night basis than Ja Morant. Um, Interestingly enough, it was Zion and it was Ja Morant um, in that draft. And of course, Zion gets drafted number one. Of course, he he would. But overall, you have to say, the Grizzlies got real lucky. Um... He's missed a little bit of time through injury, for but for the most part, uh, he's just a dynamic playmaker um, who, yes, could improve on defense, but as we saw with that crazy block that he had a little while ago, he has the opportunity to make splash plays on that end, but his aggressiveness, his 360 layups, um, the fact that he tries to dunk on, every, on anyone and everyone, and he does not care who is standing in his way, he is going to try to score. Um, I just really appreciate that mentality 
and he's working on improving his shot. And if he can get that three pointer to fall more frequently, he's going to be unstoppable with his quickness, with his mentality. And I'm excited to see where the Grizzlies go. They're on a pretty hot streak right now. So, um, uh, he's he's just so fun to watch and one for the future for sure, as well as the present. Number one, it had to be my guy, the the actual main man. Sorry, Vitsa Zubats, you've been outdone from big men from Europe. The one, the only Boban Marjanovic, baby. Now this this man, if you do not know about Boban, then you don't know NBA basketball. Okay, this guy is a legend, first of all, for like being the largest human, like after Shaq, basically. This this man's hands, his ear, like literally everything about him is large, Um, but he is like the like nicest guy. And his like relationship with Tobias Harris is just very, uh, very heartwarming. Um, And as far as his impact on the court. I feel like he gets disrespected because sure, maybe if it was like 30 years or 40 years ago, Boban would, would have thrived in that era more than he does now. But my thought process is sure. Maybe he can't go out and guard the three point line, but give it, give the ball to this man inside. And like a lot of teams don't have anybody who can compete with him at this point. I swear this guy would av- would average a double-double easy if he got enough minutes, along with a couple blocks a game. But for whatever reason, he's just never really had the opportunity. He's shown flashes for sure, and I think he's he's a good player to have um, on your team. And I think NBA franchises agree with that as well. But they just don't give him the the minutes that he deserves. But he's just a, just an all-around pretty funny guy, very down-to-earth, and... Uh, the size of his hands and like how a basketball looks in his hands is just absolutely ridiculous. Definitely look up like Boban holding a basketball on Google and it will make your day. Uh, so there was only one guy who would have been number one and it was Boban. So uh, that's my top five. Uh, Avica Zubats, Matisse Thibel, Chris Paul, John Morant, and Boban Rajanovic. Okay, so I like that list. In trying to guess your top five, I got two, and sadly, I did not get your number one. <laughs> I mean, like as you say it, like I'm like, okay, yeah, I should have, I should have guessed that. The disrespect. Um, I knew that you would have Zubots, and I knew you would have Chris Paul. <laughs> um, there's, there's one more that I thought that you would have that will come up on my list, so I'll get to that in a minute. Damian Lillard. Um, let's see. Yep. Uh huh. I thought about it, but he was a real letdown for my fantasy team this year, so, uh, <laughs> so I took that personally. But, um, Matisse Thybul. I'm just going down your list now. Matisse Thybul. I wanted to put on my list. It it was really easy for me to come up with 15 immediately, and then my top four were super easy, and then. The other like eleven were all like, who do I put at five? And Matisse was one of those eleven. I love his game, respect the hell out of the defense, and I've I've been on this podcast before saying in a few years he'll be the best perimeter defender in basketball, and in a couple of years he'll probably be in my top five securely. At this point, 
Uh, he's just right outside of it. Um, in favor of some guys that have been around longer. But, you know, in a few years, some of these guys might not even be in the NBA anymore, and he will slide right in. Uh, Chris Paul, petty was a good word for it. <laughs> he is, spoiler alert, not in my top five, but I know you like him. Uh, John Morant was another one of those 11 for me. He is also in that, he's in my top 10 um, for all the reasons you described. Um, he's only 22. And I don't know that there are any players under 25 in the NBA that I'd rather have on my team. Like, just like thinking through him real quick. I, is Luca better than him? Yeah, but I'd probably rather have John Morant if I'm like starting my franchise. And I just feel that, that way about him. And then Boban is hilarious. If you haven't seen any clips of Toby and Boby, uh, watch them. Um, hilarious. He's been working on that three point shot, which is respectable and hilarious. Cause just to watch this like seven foot four dude or seven, five dude, just like pull it is amazing. He can dunk without jumping pretty much. It's, yeah. Just probably my favorite Bobon moment is like after a play where he had the ball and he was like toying with Anthony Davis, like just holding it and moving it away from him. <laughs> hilarious person. Okay. My top five. So starting with five, the guy that just happened to edge out the John Morants, the Matisse Thibels of the world, Tim Hardaway Jr. I've been a fan of Tim Hardaway since he was at Michigan. I wanted the Hawks to draft him. He got drafted by New York, and I still loved watching him at New York in New York. Then he came to the Hawks, and you know I loved watching him on night to night basis, and even since like when he's gone. Now that he's in Dallas, he's just the kind of player that I get excited like when he's on TV. I, um, when I watch the Mavericks play, like I'm watching Luca and I'm watching Tim Hardaway Jr. Like that is my like, you know, I'm watching the whole game. But like, my, I'm drawn to like I want to see what Tim's gonna do. I want to see how he contributes. I love his like his personality, his energy on the court. He's got a certain swagger to him too. I remember going to a Hawks game and like he hit the three at the buzzer and then hit him with the shimmy like. Tim Hart, I, Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, he, he he's got to be in my top five. I I just consistently found myself thinking of him before, like John Morant, Matisse Thybulle, but give it a few years. Number four, Damian Lillard. I want this man to win a ring so freaking bad, and we've talked about him on the show a few times. For this reason, this man has been like in Portland his whole career. Uh. Often putting up MVP caliber numbers, not this year, but typically speaking, putting up MVP caliber numbers, not getting a good enough supporting staff around him uh, to really make that like next push. And a lot of that has to do with like, you know, being in the same conference as the Warriors and or the Lakers and Spurs. Like the West is stacked. He's also getting robbed of opportunities to start in the all-star game for that same reason. He's always just right behind Steph Curry which what are you going to do? But this man, like no matter how many rumors come out about like, Oh, Dame wants to leave Portland. He just comes right out. No, I don't. Nope. Stay in here. How many times do I have to say it? Y'all want Dame on the team? Come play with me over here. So much respect for it. Number three, this one's random. Another player that I really liked 
before he came to the Hawks. And then he got an expanded role on the Hawks. And I just fell in love. My man, Kent Bazemore. Is he still in the NBA? Yeah, he's on the Lakers. Oh my god, of course he is. Okay, I'd, I'd, not to interrupt, but like, I would have put Kent Bazemore, but I legit thought that he just wasn't playing anymore. Because <laughs> I have not <laughs> seen him in forever, but okay. Yeah, he's not like playing any sort of substantial minutes there, but he's on their roster. Which, now I just have to mention real quick, as a funny sort of like, asterisk isn't the right word, but like, Here's why Tim Hardaway Jr. made my top five in a nutshell. Because the Celtics didn't go on to like give Joe Johnson a, a contract for the rest of the season. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have been in there. But yeah, Kent Bazemore is in fact still on a roster. <laughs> um, chase down artist supreme. But what was he famous for before getting that expanded role on the Hawks? Not necessarily his great play. But his bench performances, and by that I mean sitting on the bench and being hilarious. Kent Bazemore is one of the funniest guys in the NBA. Listen to some of his interviews. Watch him on YouTube. Um, he was a guest on, oh my goodness, I can't remember whose podcast he was a guest on. But it was like 15 minutes of just absolute hilarious material. Well, Number two, I have been high on this guy since he came out of USC. Um, he uh, he was the leader for that Raptors team until they you know gave up on him, which ended up being a good decision. Not gonna lie, because they won a championship off it. But Demar Derozan, um, he he should be a dunk contest champion. Uh, he was defeated by Blake Griffin jumping over the hood of a car. <clears throat> robbery anyway i could point to the scoring and how he's made a success in the nba as a scorer despite having a game that translates a little more to like 80s and 90s basketball than it does now because he's not that efficient of a three-point shooter he's more of a slasher with a mid-range game but i also want to talk about um you know he and kevin love are like two of the main guys in the NBA that have opened up about like mental health issues, uh, talking about uh, issues with depression. And I think that's so important for athletes, for role models, for men to be able to come forward and talk about, you know, issues like that, that, you know, years ago, men were like taught to sort of like ignore or like not talk about. And so for someone to come out and talk about that on a like, on a global stage, so much respect for. Can't say enough about that. And number one, if you've listened to this podcast, this is not a surprise. My favorite player is Jimmy Butler. And this man brings it every second of every game. And I have said, like, on any given day, he can play like the like 30th, 35th best player in basketball. On any given day, you can watch him and have him look like the best player in the NBA. But I want to bring in this quote from LeBron, which actually just came out today because the Lakers are going to play the Heat. And I think this sums up pretty well why I like Jimmy Butler. So LeBron said, 
anytime you're playing this game throughout your career, there's certain guys that stick out that you know when you step on the court, it's going to be maximum effort every possession. That's been like that throughout Jimmy's whole career. I have nothing but respect for a guy that brings it every single night, brings his hard hat, punches his clock, leaves it all out on the floor. Jimmy Butler came into the NBA as a defensive specialist, and that's all scouts thought he would ever be, just a defender. And he put in the work, expanded his game, became an offensive threat. He's one of the best two-way players in basketball, a leader, a, a culture definer on a Miami Heat team that is just completely built around him and that rallies behind him every night. I, I can't think of a player in the NBA that I like more than Jimmy Butler. So my top five from five to one are Tim Hardaway Jr., Damian Lillard, Kent Bazemore, DeMar DeRozan, and Jimmy Butler. Well, I didn't get any. Um, I had at number five, I had Chris Paul, four Zion, three LeBron, two Dante DiVincenzo, and one Devin Booker. But I'm surprised while you're at it, you didn't say Jalen Brunson. Yeah, he was number six. Um, he just he just missed out <laughs> along with Grayson Allen was at number seven. But um, no, actually. <laughs> Spoiler alert, those are Mike's least favorite players. Um, no, I, I did get three. I got DeRozan, Lillard, and Jimmy Butler. I put Matisse Thibel on there, and I put Trey Young on there. I figured you were gonna you were gonna go with a, a hawk, but you just went with a couple of former hawks. So um but yeah, I I like that list. Um not surprised that you managed to put a Michigan player on there. A Michigan and former Hawks player. So the the double uh doing the double there um yeah I, I mean jimmy butler for sure i think unfortunately his body is kind of letting him down a little bit now because he can't not go 100 percent, and so and his body just can't like handle that as much anymore so he definitely misses a lot more games than he used to but when he's on the court for sure like he's a game changer so yeah those are our top fives let us know your top five favorite players in the nba right now and don't say like LeBron, Steph, like like Durant, Durant right? Like we want we want a little we want some niche stuff in there. I mean, I said Ivica Zubats. Mike said Ken Bazemore, who I didn't even know was in the NBA anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely share yours with us because um, I you know maybe you'll say a player who I haven't watched too much of and. I can watch him and, and see what you like about him. And when we come back, we're going to break down what has to be the most exciting weekend in NFL playoff history. So stick around. All right. So we have four teams left in the NFL playoffs. We've got the 49ers, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Bengals. Now, I'll just be honest. If you had told me at the beginning of the season that those would be the four teams left, I would be like, Okay, I, I get it with the Chiefs and the Rams. You say Bengals and 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 Forty Niners. This is twenty the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two season, right? Like, but that is our reality. The, those are the four teams left. And this past weekend's games, the divisional round, probably the craziest divisional round ever in its totality. To talk about two other games real quick, to sort of address some picks we made on the previous episode, let's look at that 
uh, Bills Patriots game because that's the only game that we're going to talk about that didn't come down to the wire. That was a straight up smackdown. Uh, Bills won that forty-seven to seventeen, and if you remember, I picked the Patriots to win that game because I'm an idiot. Now, I wasn't like, I wasn't sitting there like, yeah, Patriots, it's going to be easy. Patriots are going to win that for sure. You know, I just I picked one that I thought would win, but like a thirty-point win. That's what's crazy to me. Not that the Bills won, but by that big a margin. Josh Allen went insane. Five touchdowns, no picks, no sacks. The Bills were able to shut down the Patriots' run game. Mac Jones, I mean, two touchdowns, two picks. It's not the worst performance I've ever seen, but like when you're matched up with Josh against Josh Allen like that, yeah, the Bills just came out on top in every way. One stat that's all you need to really know about this game none of the bills possessions ended in a punt or a turnover they literally scored on every single possession except for the last possession which was the end of the game in fact not only that they never even kicked a field goal they literally scored a touchdown on every single possession that they had until the end of the game which was just mitch trubisky like kneeling (laughs) For three times. That is an absolute beatdown of the supposedly great Patriots defense. Bill Pel- Bill Belichick's got to do a lot of soul searching and probably a lot of uh, roster moves to make after that performance. Um, you know, Mac Jones, he had a good season, but we, we talked about it in the last episode. Rookie quarterbacks don't normally win in the playoffs, and he just couldn't compete with that Bills offense, which it would have been extremely difficult to do so considering they scored a touchdown every single time they got the ball. <laughs> but moving on to one of the other games that was, I'm sure, shocked a lot of people was the 49ers beating the Cowboys. And of course, there was some controversy as there always seems to be with the Cowboys um, where they call the quarterback draw at the end of the game, when the Cowboys are driving down the field, have to get a touchdown to win. And then Dak Prescott can't get the ball set in time to spike it so they can have a chance to throw it into the end zone. For the Cowboys, it just means that once again, when it comes to the playoffs, it doesn't matter how good they are in the regular season. They they just can't handle it. And the 49ers, who have dealt with so many injuries and uh yeah, especially injuries this year, were able to ride their defense in some big plays um, to pull off the upset. And that was the one game that I called incorrectly. And I'm not even mad because I'm happy to see the Cowboys lose. I'm also happy to see the Cowboys lose, even though, you know, I also picked them, but whatever. I won't make that same mistake again next year if they make it. Just just never count on the Cowboys. Sorry, Cowboys fans, but you know what this is. Just when it came down to it, um, they couldn't do it. So the 49ers move on, and as you heard before, they are in the last four, which means they had to win their next game, which, of course, was against the Packers, the number one seed. So Green Bay goes down and scores a touchdown on the opening drive and then no, does not score a touchdown for the rest of the game all they get is a field goal 
in the fourth quarter to go up 10 to three. And one theme that has been consistent or that is consistent over the course of all of these divisional round games is the importance of special teams. Every, every single game was decided, well, except for the Bills Chiefs game was decided on a field goal. And not, not just that, but the 49ers, their one touchdown was a blocked punt that was returned. And what was the Packers kryptonite all season? Their special teams play. They were by far the worst team in the league at special teams. And like, it is the third facet of the game. And it is very important. And if you don't execute, it was just very interesting to see the importance of that uh, highlighted in the playoffs. And everybody, even the special teams guys, have to be on their game. 100%. You you know, it's the, like you said, it's the third facet. It's the one that gets the least attention. But it's been critical that these uh, playoffs and good coaches are going to devote the necessary attention to special teams. Like, that's why typically you don't see, like, the Patriots having issues like this. Um, but the Packers, and was Matt LaFleur just like, you know what? We have Aaron Rodgers. He'll, he'll surely guide us to victory like he does most regular season games. Well... Aaron Rodgers threw for 225 yards, no picks, but no touchdowns either. Um, Took five sacks. Was it his worst game ever? No, but it's not a good look either. I will say that, especially like, you know, given the context of the season first, like coming into the season, there was all that noise about like, will he be coming back? Is he going to play? host jeopardy you know is he going elsewhere like force his way to like we're making guess about where he might end up like denver or whatever um he comes back then there's the whole like immunization nonsense just to win another 13 games in the regular season and then lose in the postseason in like their first game to a team that i mean again just like what you said about the Cowboys, most people would have picked the Packers to win this game. This is like props to the 49ers. I'm not trying to like disrespect them, but Packers underperformed here significantly. And the 49ers are winning despite Jimmy Garoppolo being their quarterback. Like what I, the, the reason that I that I picked the Cowboys to win was because Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback of the nine or the 49ers. And I was like, there's no way that they're going to be relying on him and that, and they're going to win these games. But their defense is, and their special teams has just been unbelievable. And they've been able to run the ball just enough and be able to use their playmakers just enough to where, despite Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to um, to make plays, to continue to turn the ball over, like they're winning inside of him. But what did we see a couple years ago in the Super Bowl? Jimmy G not being able to perform in the big moments when they really needed him to. And so maybe that's going to, you know, maybe we see a repeat again. We've seen, you know, looking ahead to the next game, the Niners face the Rams. They both went at it um, at the end of the regular season. The Niners had to win it in order to make the playoffs. And the Rams were trying their best to win that game as well for playoff seeding. And the Niners beat them. So there is, there is of course precedent there even though the Rams have had the better season overall. Don't sleep on the 49ers to make the Super Bowl again, but maybe we see 49ers Chiefs 
And if it's Jimmy Garoppolo versus Pat Mahomes, then the Niners have no chance, just like they had no chance in the previous matchup in the Super Bowl. I will go out on a limb. Not really a hot take and pick the Rams. Shocker. You're going to go, you're going to go out on a limb. That's very sturdy. Yeah. And can definitely support your weight since I, since I need to, after going um, three and three in predictions on the last episode, the Rams, they're a more complete team. Um, You're bringing up Jimmy G and we'll compare him to Matt Stafford. I don't think anyone's going to accuse Jimmy Garoppolo of being a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford. Uh, it's great to see Stafford like on a team where he finally has an opportunity to compete after those like years of purgatory would be generous to describe Detroit. Their GMs can't put a team together. Now he's in LA with a great team around him and they just I mean, they won a thriller against the Bucks, who as y'all know was my in my mind, the favorite to win the Super Bowl. That's for my money who I would have picked over any team. And the end of that game, and I think this is significant, it wasn't it wasn't that necessarily that the defense held up, like in terms of what stands out to me about this game, like not letting Brady get everything he wanted necessarily. But when you watch the last drive of that Rams game, it's Stafford delivering the Cooper Cup under a minute left. That shows me that he's ready to deliver on the big stages. When we move on to this uh, 49ers game, there's nothing about this Rams team that tells me they can't come in and beat these Niners. The Rams definitely showed some weaknesses in that second half, letting the Buccaneers come back, even though Tom Brady didn't have Chris Godwin. He didn't have Antonio Brown, of course. Um, But they were still able to, and uh, Tristan Wirfs missed the game. Um, but the fact that the Rams still managed to find a way to win, that's the difference. Um, they could have collapsed like certain other teams have to Tom Brady in the past that we won't mention. Um, but they didn't, they found, they found a way to win and they're going to be, uh, they're going to feel like, you know, we're, we need to get revenge on the 49ers. They just beat us not that long ago, like a month ago. Um, and it's not going to be one of those situations where, yes, the 49ers are the underdog, and it's not like they're going to be looking ahead to Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs because the Niners just beat them, and they're division rivals, so they're going to want to win this game, and they're not going to underestimate the Niners at any point. So will the Rams be the first team to to play and win in their home stadium in the Super Bowl? Maybe they will be. Let's talk about the Chiefs for a minute and go over to the AFC that game has got to be up there for one of the craziest games I've ever seen um, back and forth and back and forth in the last few minutes of that game. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, arguably the two best young quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, Josh Allen was almost perfect in this game. Um, and yet Patrick Mahomes was like, you know what? I'm still Pat Mahomes. I'm still here. Um, I'm still the best of this young crop of quarterbacks and um, sure. Give me 13 seconds. I'll, f- <laughs> I'll do what I need to do in order to, to give us a chance to win this game. And just the back, you know, the back and forth nature of it, the drama, the quarterback play, 
um, the you know, the big names making big plays, and also the not so big names making big plays. <laughs> My guy Gabriel Davis going for two hundred yards and four touchdowns. Are you kidding me, bro? Like they they made sure Stephon Diggs wasn't going to beat him, and Gabriel Davis almost did. Um, it was just you know a lot of offense, which is always a crowd pleaser uh, for the most part, and um, you know I guess it was it was kind of a shame that it ended the way it did. It, it really felt like whoever won the coin toss was going to win the game. And by sheer luck, the chiefs won that and they're going to the AFC championship game. Mike, what are your thoughts on uh, NFL overtime and if the rule should be changed or not? Well, first of all, I just want to say Gabriel Davis, unbelievable um, NFL postseason record for receiving touchdowns in a game with those four. And I'll echo what you said. This is one of the best games that I've ever seen. Um, the the full highlights of the game should be like in a, just as long as the game. It, every play is a highlight. But since you brought up overtime, NFL football has the stupidest overtime that you could possibly have. In in what way does it make sense? It's like, oh well. You know, just because you win the coin toss, first of all, let's start there. If you win the coin toss in overtime, no one on this planet defers in overtime. That's because there's no strategic, like, sense in doing so. Because if you go down the field and score a touchdown right away, you win. There's, There's no point to defer. So, like, while I don't want to say it's a lock that if you win the coin toss, you win, the way these quarterbacks were playing, that's the feel that it had. Whoever won the coin toss was going to go, was going to march down the field and score, whether it was Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. College football, for all its flaws, has this one right. You you let teams match. Um, you go back and forth until one just like picks up the upper hand. Even something like tennis, you know, where you like you get like deuce, um, and then you like. You know, if you score a point on deuce, then you go advantage one, and then the other, uh, your opponent can match that. Um, the NBA, it's a set time with a bunch of back and forth to see who comes out on top. Imagine baseball having an overtime inning where it's just the top of the inning. It, it makes no sense at all. I can't think, even hockey, dude, freaking hockey has your, uh, like, you're just extra time. NFL needs to fix this immediately because we were robbed of like way more quality action. You were not going to lose like significance in this game. The ratings would have skyrocketed for what that's worth. Y'all would have brought more money in. And in 2018, we had Texas A&M play LSU and that game went to seven overtimes just for A&M to win 74 to 72. And that game was insane. And the Chiefs' bills could have been like that, and and we would 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 have all remembered it, and we still might, to be fair. But we all would have remembered like that's the craziest game I've ever seen, bar none. And we would that would be the game that we would talk about thirty years from now, forty years from now, to our like kids and grandkids. Oh yeah, well when I was young and spry, I watched Josh Allen go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes for five and a half hours, or you know whatever. Instead. The Chiefs win the coin toss. 
They go down the field. They score. Game over. It's just, it was just so anticlimactic with the, with how the the last uh, like three minutes of the game of of the fourth quarter were to go, to have that be the case and it just be like okay well they scored just like we kept seeing over and over and over again we we saw so many touchdowns in that span it was ridiculous now it's like oh well surely the Bills should have a chance to go and score a touchdown as well and i get the argument that like your defense should if the, if you wanted to win then like your defense should stop them from scoring a touchdown but it's just not as much fun as having both teams having the opportunity to to possess the ball um you know maybe if maybe they could do a like a hybrid of college and nfl where it is it's still timed but you just allow both teams to possess the ball the last team we're going to talk about which is for my money the most surprising of them all which is the cincinnati Bengals, led by mr joe burrow himself um what a legend um I I love the guy. I I think um he's he's cocky but in a way that like makes me want to cheer for him. Like it's 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 like he's arrogant but like I respect it. Uh which I don't really know exactly how he pulls that off but he does. Um and I'm I'm here for it. Uh I'm here for the Bengals finally being good again. It's been forever since the Bengals were really competitive it seems like and their team, which is, uh, you know, a combination of of a few aging veterans, but a lot of young talent, uh, especially on the offensive side. And the Bengals have the look of a team, you know, with a younger coach than Zach Taylor as well, who could potentially go on and, and be a powerhouse in the AFC for years to come with that young core that they have. And they just keep managing to win these close games uh, over the Raiders, of course, in the wildcard card round and then over the the titans the the number one seed and sure the titans maybe weren't uh i think they kind of came out flat and they could have played a lot better but the Bengals did what they needed to do it wasn't pretty um joe burrow was uh sacked what nine times in the game um that they're not going to be able to win another game if that happens again there there is no way but the Bengals I mean they, they've impressed me so far and they're just taking on that mentality of like why not us and they're gonna have to beat the Chiefs but you know who knows maybe, maybe they can shock the world they've been doing it so far so you said that the Bengals won't win again if basically if Joe Burrow has a, we'll say a similar game to this past one right uh, threw for about 350 yards, but no touchdowns, one pick, and was sacked nine times for 68 yards. The thing about Joe Burrow and his... You're, you're right. He's cocky, but he pulls it off, which is something that we cannot say about many people. Like, compare him to, like, Johnny Manziel, and you're just like, dude's an asshole, and I hope you, like, get nailed like by, like, whatever pass rusher is coming at you. Joe Burrow, you're like... He gets hit, and you're like, please get up. Please get. I, I want to see you like throw a touchdown and get in someone's face. I don't know what it is about, but anyway, thing about Joe Burrow is like, yeah, if he's getting sacked nine times, any quarterback is getting sacked nine times. First of all, but if Joe Burrow is getting sacked nine times and not throwing touchdowns, it's gonna be hard to win. But do I see Joe Burrow having two games like that in a row? 
Not really. I think that uh, the coaching staff is going to be all over the offensive line for letting that happen. And Joe Burrow, he, he held on to a few that he should have let go. Um, they're going to clean that up. And I think, you know, they should they should be more prepared against the Chiefs to, like, fix the big issue that was holding them back against the Titans. I expect Joe Burrow to come out swinging. If he's connecting with Jamar Chase, yeah, why not? Why not? Like, why can't they beat the um, the Chiefs? We just saw Evan McPherson hit like back to back game winning field goals. Like, he can he's that guy. Uh, the one against the Titans was for like fifty two yards, I think. Yeah, why not? Uh, they're clearly the underdog, but we've seen underdogs win the playoffs already this season. Why not? Why can't it keep happening? Not just in the playoffs, but the regular season was full of all kinds of upsets. Um, it was honestly one of the better regular seasons that I can remember in the NFL. And that's just carried on to, into the playoffs. And out of any team, the Bengals have the offensive weapons to match up with the Chiefs. When you've got Chase, Higgins, Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzama, Joe Mixon, like you put those up against Hill, Kelsey, uh, I guess Edwards Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon has been better for them recently. Um, and then I guess Pringle and Hardman. Like I almost take the Bengals weapons over the Chiefs weapons, but I, I think Burrow's going to have to match Mahomes just like Allen did. And the Bengals are going to have to find a, a way to get some stops. I, I would still, I still have to pick the Chiefs. But I really hope that the Bengals do manage to pull it out. Because if, if we got like a, even like a Bengals Rams Super Bowl or a Bengals Niners Super Bowl, would be crazy. Um, I I would be so here for it. So uh, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. And then in terms of the other game, um, I am going to pick the Rams in that one as well. Mostly because the Rams and the Chiefs have a history of playing insane games probably one of the greatest regular season games of all time was the rams and the chiefs uh maybe 2019 maybe 2018 it was like 50 something to 50 something uh, i can't remember exactly what the score was but i remember watching that game and it was absolutely ridiculous even though jared you know that was jared goff at the peak of his powers which was a very small peak uh very very so that, short lived but so that game was 2018 and the Rams won 54 to 51. Yeah. So we've already shown that they've already shown that they can produce some fireworks and now they have Stafford instead of Jared Goff. Um, we have Cooper cup going ballistic. Yeah, for sure. So, and in the Rams home stadium against the chiefs who have made, you know, like we've said four AFC championship games in a row, that would be a blockbuster for sure. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to say the Rams and the Chiefs and you know what? I'm going to pick the Rams. I'm going to say Matthew Stafford in his first, you know, first season with the Rams, first season out of Detroit gets it done. Cooper Cup cements this season as like one of the best seasons by any wide receiver ever. Um and the Rams get it done in their home stadium for the first time. Why not? The Rams Chiefs would be a super sexy Super Bowl. I was alliterative. But I'm picking the Bengals. I don't care. Mainly because you pick the Chiefs. But I'm holding on to hope. 
that, you know, for parity's sake, we can get an an underdog stopping the Chiefs from getting to the Super Bowl and then playing against the Rams, who I will then pick. I also am picking the Rams to win the Super Bowl. It would it would be the storybook ending, right? And I think for you know, a lot of time when you're watching sports, if you're not a direct fan of any of the teams involved, people tend to go for that like whatever the nicest like storybook ending is, which is why so many people go for underdogs. But truly this would be the best way to cap off this season in my mind from a a relatively objective standpoint to see Stafford change locations, to see, like you said, Cooper Cup put a stamp on this season, uh, to see Aaron Donald, like, uh, to have his efforts rewarded with a Super Bowl, uh, you know, Von Miller coming over, um, boy genius Sean McVay, like putting it all together, putting it all together in their home stadium, like you said, it's it's got all the makings for like a historic. Uh, end to a season for the Rams and I, and I got a root for it for sure so that's gonna wrap up our breakdown of the NFL playoffs so far who we think is going to win the whole thing um, and when we come back we're going to close out the show as we always do with the hot seat and the fun fact all right so before we get into the official hot seat um, we did want to touch base on one bit of semi-breaking news at least while we we're recording um, that Sean Payton has decided to step away from uh, coaching the New Orleans Saints. Now, of course, we talked last episode about all of the coaches that had been fired um, and whether they deserve to be fired or not. Sean Payton was definitely not on the on my radar in terms of stepping away from the game, but he has decided to do so. He has not said that it is uh, a retirement, just that he is taking a break. Um, and... You know, for I've definitely given given Sean Payton some props on this podcast previously. Um, of course, I don't really like him. Uh, he coaches the Saints. They had I so I have not necessarily agreed with some of his uh, decisions. There, they've had some scandals type things there as well. Um, but overall, he has had a very very good run as the head coach of the Saints. They have achieved a lot of success in that time. And, you know, in, in terms of uh, longevity, a lot of the time, like, we don't really see coaches with the same team for a long period of time that often anymore. Only Bill Belichick has been with his team longer than Sean Payton has. Maybe Sean Payton will come back. Uh, maybe he'll just decide that he's done. But I know for the Falcons and for all the other teams in the NFC and just in the league in general, they have to be happy to see Sean Payton retiring because um, he's done a really good job at getting the Saints ready to play and competitive pretty much every year. Yeah, one of the great football minds. I mean, don't really like him as a person. I mean, the main thing that comes to my mind with him is, I mean, aside from the football acumen, is Bounty Gate. Incentivizing the players to hurt other players. I mean, that's big no-no uh so a lot of players a lot of teams around the league should be breathing a sigh of relief that the uh that Peyton won't be coaching the Saints next year especially if you're in the NFC South uh maybe breathe two sighs of relief there since you don't have to deal with them twice uh but looking at the Saints last year they lose Drew Brees this year they lose Sean Payton like it's a rough turnaround for them I mean, 
I'm interested to see who will be the next uh, or who will be coaching them next year. Um, we got a lot of candidates that will be available. I mean, we talked on the last episode of available coaches, and that's not to mention like guys that maybe haven't put their name in the hat yet, not just for like having been fired from their teams. Like that's who we talked about last episode, but maybe if they're offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators that want to throw their hats in the ring, who knows if like what Eric the is going to want to do. Byron Leftwich is, uh, is Kellen Moore finally going to try and be a head coach? Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised to see the saints go for like Mike Zimmer. It seems like the move that they would, that the saints would make. But but it'll just be interesting to see who takes the reins next year. Check out this transition in the hot seat. Earlier, we talked about our favorite NBA players. And now we get to talk about someone I hate. Not only that, but we just talked about Sean Payton and a history of, like we, I mentioned Bounty Gate, a history of uh, dirty practices, let's say, trying to hurt others. I present to you the NBA's dirtiest player, Grayson Allen. Get that man a shower. <laughs> Get that man a suspension. That's longer than one game. Yeah. Get him out of there. There's there's no room in the NBA for Grayson Allen. Uh, Grayson Allen is like... Let me just roast him real quick. Grayson Allen is kind of like Beverly in that like he makes up for any deficiencies by being like chippy and aggressive. But with Grayson Allen, it just like crosses the line. It's not even like a, a competitive fire type of thing. It's just I'm not good and so I'm going to hurt you and to like make up for that. So Grayson Allen, who has a history of like dirty play, and this isn't just like our opinion, like this is common knowledge. And and it extends before his NBA career. This is who he was at Duke. He was like tripping people and like and all this nonsense. Anyway, now that vicious behavior has come for Alex Caruso. Um we will definitely be sharing this video on our social. But basically, Alex Caruso went up uh for a layup opportunity and Grayson Allen like it looked like a Mortal Kombat move where he, like, jumped up and, like, caught him and threw him out of the air onto the ground. Basically, right? And now Alex Caruso has had surgery and will be reevaluated in a few weeks. Uh, but, you know, missing substantial time. Uh, he was playing an important role on that Bulls team that you mentioned earlier as being, like, very successful uh, this season. Um, and he was coming off of an injury, too. Like. Yeah. His, I mean, he he had a really good start to the season. Then he was injured out for a while. He's finally back, and then Grayson Allen pulls this crap. Grayson Allen just doesn't have any self restraint, no control. He just lets his emotions and aggressiveness paired with an inability to like perform outside of his aggression uh, get the better of him, and he finds himself deservedly on this episode's hot seat. For sure. And like we said, he he got suspended one game by the NBA for his actions. What's that really going to do? But at least they stepped in and did something. And maybe if he does something like this again, there'll be a a harsher consequence, which is probably deserved. We go on and on all day about how Grayson Allen sucks. But let's, let's move on to something that doesn't suck. 
my transitions and Dave's fun fact. <laughs> get, get yourself a little pat on the back there, Mike. Um, but yeah, so this week's fun fact, or <clears throat> I always say this week, I guess it could be this week's fun facts, this episode's fun fact, whatever. Um, <laughs> I've always wondered what are dollar bills made out of? Is it just paper? Well, it's a blend of 25% linen and 75% cotton. And they have tiny red and blue synthetic fibers evenly distributed throughout the paper. So it would take 4,000 double folds forwards and backwards to actually tear a dollar bill. Obviously, you could just go up to it and just rip it. I guess I've just never thought of the money that we have, like what is actually made out of that it's cotton. It's like mostly cotton, which is just, I feel like that's like clothes or whatever, not the money that we have. Well, I also had never considered that. I mean, no one is saying how they say like money doesn't grow on trees. Well, it grows on some plants. <laughs> it grows out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that next time. I'm like throwing out all this like cold, hard cash. Yeah. As you do. It can rain. Making it rain at the at the Panda Express, you know. Oh, I do. If anybody's looking for Mike's birthday isn't for actually like a really long time, but if you're looking to get Mike a birthday present, Panda Express gift card, or start a fran start a Panda Express franchise in the city that Mike lives in, which we're not going to reveal. Um, so you're just going to have to start opening a franchise in random cities until you get the right one now listen here if you do that best case scenario for me is you open the restaurant in my actual town like first shot right worst case scenario you're still bringing panda expresses to towns less fortunate and by less fortunate i mean they didn't have a panda express so you're doing like an act of public service you know that's like tax deductible so, like, straight up, do it. Eventually, you'll hit, you know, there can only be so many cities. I mean, I live in America. There you go. Like, narrowed it down for you. Western Hemisphere. Boom. We're, we're, uh, we'll even say East Coast. So, East Coast. We've, we've broken down, like, we've broken it down a lot for you. We can't give you all the answers. That's not what we're about. It, Eventually, you'll run out of cities and hit it. For sure. Right? But, yeah, make it rain Panda Expresses so that I can make it rain at a local Panda Express. You know, these are the uh, these are the big projects that we care about here on the Mike and Dave podcast. Mm, indeed. So, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Mike and Dave podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to us. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you are feeling so kind. Um, and yeah, we're excited to get through 20 episodes. Um, so I think next, I mean, I guess 25 is also a big milestone. Um, cause then we're like a quarter of the way to a hundred or halfway to 50. So that'll be an exciting one as well coming up in a little while. And of course we'll have another top five episode for you, um, on episode 25. Um, but as we said before, uh, make sure to share your top five favorite NBA players right now um, with us as well. And what else are we going to be sharing on social media, Mike? 
we'll share the dichotomous key so that you can do your own NBA career uh, trajectory and see how what player you end up with based on your personal preferences. It's basically an expanded version of the like you know the big question is like would you rather be a big fish in a small pond or you know I guess whatever the opposite of that is a small fish in a big pond yeah or like a um, medium sized fish in a medium pond yeah best player on a unsuccessful team not as good player on a successful team whatever expanded version of that we'll also share a video of Grayson Allen being Grayson Allen in other words an asshole. So that'll all be on uh, Facebook at Mike and Dave Pod. Uh, we'll also be sharing posts on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle. So give us a follow on all three. If you still use Twitter, right? But, but yeah, hey, sign up for Twitter. It's free. And then follow your boys at Mike and Dave Pod. But that's all that we have for episode 20. In summary, Eat Panda Express. Jimmy Butler is awesome. Follow us on social. Five-star rating. This has been your boy, Mike. And this has been your boy, Dave. And this has been the Mike and Dave Podcast. Alexander on the field.